Welcome to Real Talk with your host, Nick Hoyle. Proudly presented by Podcasts New Zealand. All of the Real Talk interviews are now available in one place, categorized into topics. Some of them even have bonus downloads. So jump on over to our site and check them out. The link is in the description below. And I really want to give a big shout out to Adam who's, who's joining us tonight. The guys, uh, some of you will know him, but you know, a huge events, events business and, and he's been really commentating, watching the economic markets for, I mean, I've been following his stuff for the last probably 18 months and, you know, I'll let you explain a bit more as we get into it, Adam, but I, I really feel like your opinion will be a lot of value to the people in this group here tonight. Your understanding of, of not only economics, but you've been through a recession yourself before with your business, with your properties. So, yeah, so look, hey, so welcome, Adam. Thanks to have you along. Awesome, man. Good to be here. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, hey, do you want to like maybe just start by, for those that maybe don't know you, just a little bit about what you, you know, um, a little bit about your business, a little bit about yourself, and, and, and we'll take it from there. All right. Um, okay, so uh, dropped out of school in fifth form, uh, pretty much uh, mucked around for a number of years doing all sorts of stuff, uh, mainly in the hospitality industry, as well as um, going to lots and lots of awesome house parties on the shore, and, um, and just kind of being pretty social around Auckland in general, which is how I built up a, a pretty significant database before I got into the the uh, business of throwing parties. Um, I actually worked, used to work at Pulp Magazine back in the day selling advertising. Um, I, I did hospital and all that. And then when I was 21, I went and started um, working at Pulp Magazine and um, decided to get my life on the right track because I was getting into a bit of mischief before then. And um, worked there and, and realized quite click, quickly that I, at the time I was only on like 35 grand a year plus bonuses and, and I was pretty much running off petrol fumes. And mm -hmm. I, uh, I I started um, doing events while I was there and they said, look, this is a conflict of interest. Your events, you know, he's got advertisers now want to sponsor your events. So you can either stay here and earn um, breadcrumbs or you can move on to, um, you know, something else. So I took the punt on uh, going off and started my own business um, and I um, uh, started my own magazine actually, as well as doing the events. But then I realized um, that after the first couple of years of doing the magazine, it was, um, it was quite a passion of mine. I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, didn't make any money, just took up a lot of my time. So the events was also a massive passion of mine and, and something that we were really good at. So I decided to turn that into the business and um, and go ahead with that. Uh, second year was maybe the third, I think it was the second year of business. We were doing really, really well. And then we did one event, which um, lost about $90,000. So um, <laughs> back then it was quite a lot of money. And um, so that was a bit of a hit quite early on. And, and, and it was the best learnings I could have ever had, to be honest, you know. Um, and remember, I had no qualification. I did I did do a sales and marketing course at university mm -hmm. night school, but just a year course. It wasn't anything major, but everything else I'd kind of failed over the years or just dropped out. I had no interest in going and sitting in classrooms and learning that way. I just like to learn hands-on. So the $90,000, yeah, it was a massive hit, but it was some of the best learnings I could have ever gotten out of that. And um, since then, um, you know, it's definitely paid off um, yeah. you know, from making the same mistakes again. I totally and, relate, uh, mate. I, I didn't even finish school, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's not for everyone. And I tell you, I um, look, if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or something like that, then, you know, you've got to go through all the, the process of all your school years and university and all that. But, you know, entrepreneurs, man, you don't need to go to school. You just need to find something you're passionate about and they're going to get real-world experience, you know. 
And um, so anyway, uh, you know, we did that and, and we've built ourselves up in the game. You know, we've done hundreds and hundreds of events now. Um, we've been in, in, the, in the game now 17 years. Uh, we've just finished um, diversifying actually and, and um, changing our direction. Um, we, we did a lot of parties for a long time, but I've actually tried to navigate away from parties into more of those experiential based sort of boutique festivals. So instead of doing heaps of these parties everywhere, da da da, we're doing less events now, but the ones that we do do are pretty amazing. So we successfully um, uh, navigated out of those. Last year was our kind of our pivot that we finally managed to get into that space. We've got three events: Fiesta del Sol, um, which is still more like a party event experience sort of thing. So we kept that one. It's about sixteen to eighteen hundred people. Um, High Life New Year's Eve, Maracana. Uh, went back up there, did a really cool thing at Ascension Wine Estate, and then we've got our um, Sunsetter Festival, which used to be the Takapuna Food and Wine, and we just rebranded that to Sunsetter Festival for the first time this past summer. Sold out event at Smales Farm, but just over 4,000 people there, which was really good. And um, and uh, the reason why we rebranded that was because um, I didn't want to be restricted to a Takapuna name, you know, if you ever have to move the festival. Yeah. You know, I, I, we want to keep it at Smales for as long as possible, but, you know, if you if we want to move it, we're not stuck to Takapuna. If we want to, um, uh, to you know, produce another one in another part of the country, mm, we can. Mm. And, and when we're dealing with acts and sponsors, it's, it's more of an international sort of vibe and feel about it. And so you get a bigger. Yeah, totally. You know, totally amazing. It attracts more um, opportunities to the festival, you know. And so you've been um, obviously commentating and, and, and obviously running your own investments for quite some time as well. Um, yeah, so I started property investing in 2003, and to be honest, for the first eight years or so, or maybe 10 years, depending on how I look at it, probably the first eight, um, I, I just had, you know, I, I went with the mainstream sort of way of doing it. I had no idea. My mum actually got me into it, funny enough. She was like, you've got to get an investment property, and I bought one just before we lost all that money, but I still ha- ha- held on to it. And um, my, my mum at the time was like, oh, you got a rich, rich dad, poor dad and all these kind of books. And I never did. I wish I had it back then. I probably would have been a lot more successful. But, um, but you know, so, I, you know, I did this investing and I got quite lucky. You know, at the time I had quite a bit of money, but just I was just throwing it around and, and didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about anything back then. Interest rates, you name it. I just kind of went off the guidance of my mind. I didn't want to learn. I was just partying back then and mm. spending a lot of time just traveling and just doing whatever. Um, but it was when the GFC happened, I bought like a property in March 2007 and I locked myself into an 8% interest rate, you know, for a number of years. And if I hadn't known what the climate was and had educated myself, you know, um, you know, and whatever, I would have probably made a smarter decision, you know. So uh, we all know what happened not so long after the March 2007, you know, later on that year, the GFC started and mm-hmm. interest rates started dropping and whatever. So look, I was in a position where I could write it out. It's still, and, and you know, it was most of the property was negatively geared. So I got the tax gains, but we're still like, and we, we ended up selling and, and making a slight profit. But I did look back on that and I was thinking, you know what? I'm not going to make that mistake again. I reckon that if I, if I can educate myself on this stuff mm. and, um, you know, start getting into, um, you know, schooling myself up on things and I'll be able to, um, you know. Uh, better in the future, right? Yeah. When it comes to property and investments and stuff. And, and, you know, I've made mistakes since then, but, Remember, without making mistakes, there's no progress. And you learn off your own mistakes. You learn off um, other people's mistakes and, and you move forward. But in saying that, I've made very little mistakes compared to what I could have. And I've made had way more wins under my belt when it comes to investing. You know, So um, it's been a long road, but we, we had some big wins. Um, when I could see where the market started booming again in 2011, 
I was trying to tell people then, oh, actually, I think this is where things are going to pick up. And back then, people were like, oh, no, no, you know, the market's going to keep dropping and this mm -hmm. and that. You know, whatever. And I was like, no, I think this is it. And I was doing my research on the ground and whatever. And we managed to get, a, you know, some really good buys running through. And we were buying all the way up until, you know, 2016. And then I actually just ended up selling. Uh, we sold off all our investment properties, kept our home property. We sold our last investment property off in November. So, because mm. I was, what I could see on the horizon with this downturn that was on the way, but I had no idea that it was going to be a virus triggering the downturn. I yeah, right. Trade wars and Brexit and everything else going on. And yeah, we've been in a global economic downturn for three years now. That a lot of people don't actually realise that we've been in a global economic slowdown. Um, and um, I'll go into that shortly. But yeah, yeah, yeah I think um, the the exactly that. Like. Um, just watching it and it's been a perfect storm for such a long time, but there hasn't been a, a, a catalyst or a, or a, you know, anything to kick it off. And my thought was, it was, it was always going to be a currency risk with the, um, you know, the, the constant quantitative easing that they've been doing. Um, but then, you know, this has happened and just put the brakes on everywhere and it's changed it completely. Right. Yeah. It's a really mixed situation. It's very complex to try and keep tabs on. Um, I'd have to say for the last seven years, I've been watching the whole global economic situation almost every day and so many pieces of media. And I got, you know, quite addicted to it at one stage and it's, it's paid off, man, like obviously, but it's, um, you know, it's, you got to spend a lot of time to get on your finger on the pulse and educating yourself on what's going on. Um, but yeah, I actually thought that, you know, I've been saying to everyone since pretty much early 2017, look, I believe a recession's on the way, blah, blah, blah. But I underestimated at the time um, the low interest rate environment and the quantitative easing and all the artificial, you know, crazy acts by central banks and other and governments to be able to kick this can down the road. Um, and I just, I said, like, we were very close to actually going into a global recession last year just from, you know, the, the trade wars, um, Brexit, um, you know, we had smaller uh, uh, financial crisis events popping mm -hmm. off in like Venezuela and um, uh, you know, Lebanon and you had um, the Hong Kong civil unrest that was dragging on for months that took Hong Kong to recession. And we had, you know, Germany, you know, um, dipping in and like you know, almost going into technical recessions, all this. And that was just off for all that stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. This is what's going to cause it. But then all the central banks rushed in, you know, used up a Saved lot of again. firepower, mm. you know, and, and started doing all these emergency rate cuts last year off that, which gave this sort of, little artificial boost it was almost like giving the um the uh you know the heroin addict a bit of morphine to keep them keep going, it going you know? mm. and um and then so that gave this 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 uh it turned everything into a bit of a super cycle which kind of pushed up the stock markets more brought a bit of life back to the australian and new zealand property markets and and, and other property markets and gave everyone the sense of oh actually look we're getting out of this global downturn and and here we go and blah, blah, blah. But then next minute, you know, this, this virus thing comes along as a black swan, swan event, not to mention the oil, oil, um, you know, dramas with OPEC and stuff. So, you know, those two things were, um, but mainly obviously the virus thing was the big, big uh, nail in the coffin and, and the trigger that sent everything south. And, and a lot of people will be using it as a bit of an excuse on why everything's not. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Painful, you know, but it was already in a very fragile situation. So, you know. And when you look at the, you know, the, the virus that we've got, it really, um, uh, it is it is kind of like a one in a hundred year event. A lot of people have been comparing it with Spanish flu, and um, I guess um, obviously we've got much better medical uh, function than we had back then. But 
we've still got a risk of a virus that's spreading that's an unknown and we've still got a risk that it's um it's going to take time you know it's not going to be over in a month it's going to take time for that risk to be spread out over the whole planet yeah yeah and that's what people are underestimating you know like what, what a lot of people don't realize right is that it's not like we're going to get through this four week or six week lockdown and everything's going to go back to to clockwork and i saw some of the westpac economists coming out saying okay cool we're going to have a few more months of negative growth and then things are going to start picking up at the end of the year and and i have to disagree with that and to be honest out of all the economists a lot of the New Zealand economists they've always got this blind optimism sort of thing going on or quite an optimistic thing they'll they'll put out their forecast and they'll downgrade it and then they'll put out the next one and downgrade that and then you know it's i guess it's how they have to operate anyway because they're mm-hmm. all working tax and they want to keep people lending or whatever keep but their job too. <laughs> they've got some good commentary but i always find that they're just a little bit off the mark and whatever but anyway i this is how I see it. I, I see that, um, you know, we're going to have these, um, um, obviously we're going through the shocks at the moment. It's not just, we've got multiple shocks out there. Th- this thing here, in my opinion, and, and many obviously top economists out there as well and every, commentators and stuff, but what we're seeing now is that this thing here makes the GSC look like a Sunday picnic, you know? <laughs> it really is, we're having multiple shocks. So you've got um, obviously the, um, uh, the supply and demand shocks that we're having. Mm-hmm. We've got the oil shock, um, but the, the oil shock is a separate sort of thing which can have systemic risk on all those people that are highly geared, you know, the US shale producers and all that, and blah, 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 that can't produce, you know, it's not profitable for them to be able to produce, I think, um, you know, barrels of US crude or whatever at $20 US a barrel. Don't make any money. <laughs> it's crazy. It was only at $60 US not so long ago, you know. But, um, so, uh, you know, like there's that, but there's also the supply and the demand shocks. You know, you've got the fare shocks, you've got the travel shocks, you know, pretty certain we've got the economic shocks and stuff. We actually had like a bit of a credit crisis. Um, liquidity sort of sits looming, right? Banking, uh, lending markets and the repo markets in the US and China. And that actually started in September. So remember some of these financial um, things that were blowing up in the system happened before any virus came along, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people don't understand, you know? So... Um, right now the central banks are coming out and they're throwing the kitchen sink at this thing to, to prevent all this stuff happening, but it's just putting band-aids over brain hemorrhages. So I think, you know, um, what we're seeing is that they've got short-term solutions, but they don't have a long-term solution here. And unfortunately, you know, their actions are, are just going to like, let's just say New Zealand, for example, the reserve bank. So um, they've come in and obviously you know, um, and the government, right, with all these bailouts. So the Reserve Bank has come out with quantitative easing now, which is going to try and shore up a bit of liquidity into the system, make sure that our interest rates don't spike through the roof because there's different pressures on those. And then, you know, the bank, uh, the government's coming in and um, obviously the Reserve Bank's cut to almost, you know, cut the interest rate. They didn't really have much to, mm-hmm. to work with. They've cut it by, they used a bit of it last year. They cut it by 75 basis points this year just to give an example when the gfc had over a number of months they dropped it by 575 basis points yeah. right so there's nothing left basis points this this time around to to try and you know resurrect the, the economy with and, and property market and everything else but um so you know with this um scenario that we're going in you know there's there's definitely a bit of less ammo here and there depending on how you look at it with the government barrel outs coming in you know, all the stuff that they're trying to, you know, all this funds that they're giving people, that's all great. But all it's doing is it's not going to stimulate the economy. It's just going to keep a roof. Of, it's going to stop some companies collapsing. It's going to put a roof mm-hmm. over people to keep food on the table and keep some people employed. But what are they going to do in three months time, six months time, you know, right. and all of this money that they're pumping out, 
we're going to have to pay that in higher taxes later on. It's not a free lunch. So when we do go into recovery stage, we're going to have that that holds us back a little bit as well because our taxes are higher. Mm-hmm. We've got to pay for the emergency stuff now. But in saying that, they had to do it because if they didn't, we'd see oh, massive we'd be, we'd, yeah, and yeah. all these other issues and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, but anyway, so I think that um, going back to my point, sorry, I could be talking all day. <laughs> I don't want to you know, go off track too much, but... Um, the shocks that we're seeing, because there's so many different shocks here that are un, un, unraveling, not to mention just a lockdown shock in itself and you freeze economic activity in a country, right? Um, you know, we, these things, once it's lifted, and it may be six weeks, you know, they say four, but it could be six or whatever. We, we, there's so, so, much, um, so much of an escalating sort of snowball effect of this thing already that's putting a lot of businesses, so many people are getting made unemployed. Yeah, we talked about the job. You know, so we've got that thing that impacts us, but then the restrictions after this, it's not like we're going to open this up. Okay, guys, the virus is gone. Everything's back to work. Let's get pumping. It doesn't work like that. So there'll be restrictions across a lot of industries and, and social distancing and all of that. And then if we have any flare-ups or whatever, they're going to have to stay on top of those too. We might have to go back into stricter conditions. I know in our industry, I'm not looking at, you know, I don't think we'll be able to do any events anytime soon. Yeah. Hospo is going to be taking a bath on this tourism. You know, the migration is going to be significantly yeah, huge. People coming to the country, same as um, uh, the borders. They're talking about maybe 12 to 18 months, you know, and look, all of this can reverse if they can get a vaccine out fast enough for treatments, but that's going to take some time. So for the foreseeable future, with all these restrictions in place, that will really have an impact on the New Zealand economy. That plus sentiment plus the fear, you know, and even when it does get going, you're still going to have these people that are scared of the virus, others that are going to wash their wallet. But that's all the stuff we have to deal with, you know. And so that's why, at least when the GFC happened, yes, we had a tightening of credit, but people were out there spending stuff. Trying to make it recover. But they could still do stuff. We've got so many limitations on us now, it's not funny, you know. Not to mention already the job losses and everything else that we're starting to see globally already dwarfs what we saw in the GFC, you know. I mean, the US lost, you know, over 3 million jobs in one week last week, you know. So um, so then we've got the global stuff to worry about too. Remember, uh, the US has been off the ball. If you look at their reaction compared to what China did, they are so far off the ball on this thing, it's not funny. So I think something's going to blow up there that's going to cause even more headaches for the global economy. And with all these other um, places in lockdown or with restrictions, you know, that's just messing up the whole supply chain, the demand chain, you know, all of these different things. And so we can have economic impacts from that, you know. Good news is that New Zealand's a food-producing country. You know, there's a lot of wins that we're going to get from this, but we are going to get our importers and exporters for now are going to get hit. And there's other things, things that will be, you know, we're definitely going to feel this more than, than you know, last time. But yeah. there, were, there are positives to come. So yeah, I, well, I was just going to say, let's um, uh, let's talk on some of those those positives, those opportunities, the, 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 the you know, um, you know, we've slightly touched on recovery, but you know, with all of this comes a lot of opportunity, the opportunity to pivot, the opportunity to change your offering, the opportunity um, for, for you know, cheap investments, cheap businesses. Well, so yeah. This is this downturn's long overdue, right? And every time we have a downturn, I think this is gonna be the one that really gives things a big clean out, right? Everyone's gonna get hit by this, but it's all about 
you know, there's great opportunities. I think the first bit of it, right, that all business owners need to get ready for and households is just the survival play, all right? You need to work out a strategy on how you can survive this thing, not just survival from the virus. I mean, if you get that, who knows what could happen? Most cases are mild, but some people can pass away. But it's not just that. It's um, I don't want to make a joke on it, but it's survival on, um, you know, just the business front. So getting through this thing, because it's way tougher than the GFC. And in my opinion, I think this recession is going to be a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And I think that the recovery is going to be longer. I also, uh, last time the global recession was 18 months. I think this one here is going to be longer. Some countries will recover quicker, others won't. But um, so, and there is risk of um, uh, a, a even worst case scenario with that. But so the recovery is going to be longer. So you need to position your business to be able to ride out for a longer term thing. And and the most important thing is, is that, you know, put get your mindset ready for a longer recovery and a strategy for that. Don't go, okay, cool, this is only going to be six months or a year because I think it could be longer. So if you can set it up for that and set up a strategy for that, then the best case scenario, if it does recover earlier and everything starts coming together earlier, then that's just a bonus, mm. you know? And another thing you don't want to do is freeze and just be like hiding your shell, go, oh my God, the sky's falling, like, you know, da da da, and whatever. You need to make sure that you're still relevant, you're still out there on people's radars, you've got key messaging to your clients, you're, you're informing them, and you're not just dropping off the face of the earth because you're hiding in your bunker, you know? Yeah, really, really, um, really reiterates the, the call that I had yesterday. We basically outlined a, a, a you know, a, a survival plan for these small businesses things you've got to do, the communications you've got to have and, and how you can pivot, you know? So it's bang on the money, Adam. Thank you. Oh, definitely. And you also just need to, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to be doing this anyway, but you need to look at all your costs. You need to be a re realistic about the profit that you're going to make. Like we are as a business, I'll tell you, like just to give you an example, right? We're in events, right? We do festivals. Well, government already has a restriction at the moment, you know, 100 people, you, you know, no events over 100 people. They might even tighten up even further or whatever if this thing gets worse. But, you know, that's going to get, you know, maybe released to 500, we think get a bit better and then this and that. But we, so we, we already get, have to get in the mindset, okay, when we come back to produce events, I'm not going to be coming out of the ballpark here and trying 4, to do 4,000 person event. The 4,000 person event I used to do for Sunsetter is going to probably, we have to aim for half of that or 40% less people or something, you know, and, and, and rebuild that event over, over a number of years. Um, because not only are we going to face all the government restrictions, if, and that's if we can even do anything this summer. I mean, I'm I'm still, yeah, I think it's going to be tricky if we can yeah. even get something like our November events off the table. You know, we we're trying to see if we can try and do something on New Year's, something in February, but it just depends on where this goes. We, we don't know. So the thing is for everyone, you know, um, you know, depending on your business, right? you know, you need to forecast that. There's some businesses in this environment that will absolutely thrive, right? So if you're doing hand sanitizer or face masks right now, or even certain food and stuff, you can actually do really, really well out of this, you know? Um, but for businesses like mine, I have to be realistic and I have to, you know, do that. And I also have to renegotiate all my contracts and stuff. And and you may have existing contracts locked in out there, guys, or whatever, but you have to go back to your landlords. You have to go back to the people that you do business with and say, look, if you still want to be paid, if you still want to, you know, if you still want to have a tenant or if you still want to have this or that, you're going to have to give us a break. Otherwise, you could be sitting here empty. So would we rather have someone here still doing business with you and giving you some, you know, giving you half the pie rather than no the none of the pie, you know? Yeah. Totally. So it's like that, renegotiating all your contracts. 
also not just that on the financial side uh, on that aspect but you also need to renegotiate your contracts when you go forward so because of the risk of this thing if we have flare-ups and you get sent in, into the you know we have to go back into lockdowns whatever you need to set up some sort of contracts with your whatever business you're in you know so you don't get hit with this you know you the least the least problem doesn't come, come up again the, the you know like our stuff right for events for example we're going to go back to a lot of our providers and say look this is the deal we can give you this business and whatever but if for any reasons there's cancellation beyond our control because we can't get insurance for this now course, yeah. you know then we need to have some sort of flexibility there on you know any potential fees or this that we have to pay and everyone's going to have to look after each other and try and massage this and, and mitigate everyone's risk everyone still has overheads to pay and this and that there has to be some kind of you know, give and take sort of thing there. And and that's how we all kind of move forward, you know, on that side of the thing. Yeah, totally, mate. So, hey, look, um, Adam, we've, 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 man, we've, we've chewed up 25 already. Um, I guess um, maybe uh, if there's any final point you want to make on opportunities. Uh, look, I'll tell you what, once we get through this thing and the recovery starts, you know, a lot of your competition, a lot of people, you know, a lot of business will be wiped out from this. So you'll be, you can get yourself into a ballpark where you can really, you know, grow and do some big things. So it's just about holding in there. Mm -hmm. You have to do everything you can. Don't give up. Just go hard and just do whatever you can to just keep going. Thing, No matter what gets you down, you just got to keep going, guys. Like, I can't tell you enough. There will be blue skies at the end of this, and it may not seem like that now. But if you can hang in there and just make sure you took all the boxes and, and hold your head high with integrity and just go forward and do everything you can, you will be able to get through this, you know. And the opportunities on the horizon are going to be major because I'm telling you what, after the rest of this, um, you know, New Zealand is a great place to be right now. Imagine trying to ride this thing out in Wuhan. My neighbor's actually still on lockdown on Wuhan. That's another story. But um, if you're trying to ride this out in the UK or this, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to move back to New Zealand. There's a lot of overseas capital that's going to be coming back into this country as well that's sitting mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. sidelines. And I tell you what, the boom after this is going to be pretty big once we kind of get there. But you just have to ride out that storm. So all I can say is just don't give up. Um, do your homework. Constantly review all your stuff and just, just you know, dig in for a longer ride than usual and, and um, yeah. you know, make sure you... Make sure you um, have a laugh along the way too, because we'll all need a few of those, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and maybe a couple of glasses of wine. Oh, yeah, or a couple of bottles. <laughs> you know? Awesome. Hey, awesome, Adam. I really appreciate your time, mate, and um, thanks to everyone that's given up their time tonight to have a little listen to, to, to our chat. So uh, we're back tomorrow. All good. Much love to you all, and remember, we're all Kiwis. We're all a great country here, so don't give up. Have a good one, guys. All of the Real Talk interviews are now available in one place, categorised into topics. Some of them even have bonus downloads. So jump on over to our site and check them out. The link is in the description below. Real Talk with Nick Hoyle. Brought to you by Podcasts NZ.